Welcome back, everyone. You're here on the best, the finest, the filthiest, and the gayest podcast for Final Fantasy XIV and everything else that matters in life. This is episode 14 of the Warriors of Lust. Tentative episode title. This time, Jiraku's in charge. Oh, no. If this is your first time listening, I'm not sorry, but some people might be. Uh, I will be today's episode host, the insatiable Jiraku Drake. And with me are the enemy of innocence, the illustrious, magnificent, and incredibly talented Kelly Page, as well as the temptress of fate, the one, the only, the pinnacle of goth, and the purplest of purple, Serena Hima. How are we doing, everyone? <laughs> Those just... were very nice introductions, but we don't even get to do our own intros when you're in charge. <laughs> well, you know. I'm not mad. I was called Pinnacle of Goth and Beautiful, Lustrous, and Purple. So. Serena, I need you to focus right now. We are having our jobs taken from us as we watch. I prefer to think of it as I'm a performer, and I am contributing my you, very most. If you I was are about to suggest, If you are about to suggest that you do our intros better than we do, we're going to fight. I don't think I do my intro better than you. I just want to set the tone and make sure that anyone who's listening that's new, because our audience obviously understand that this is the dawning of a new era. Oh, God. Uh, anyone listening that's new will understand. And I just wanted to be absolutely sure that everyone knows how wonderful my co-hosts are. Is that so bad? So... We're taking them down. Or I'm <laughs> I mean, what can we do? He called Serena pretty. Apparently, that's all that matters. Listen, it is a power play. It definitely is. Okay. Easy to so, use. for today's episode, we have a lot we're going to get through. Uh, I wrote the outline this time. I'm leading everyone on what, on what we're doing point by point by point, getting us through bullet points. And I'm the one in charge of making sure that this episode is not three hours long. So do me a favor, listener, uh, whatever you're using to listen to this podcast, right now, take a look and see how long it is and see how good a job I did based on that. Because I'll bet it's going to make you laugh to see the (laughs) dichotomy between where we should be and where we are. So I would just like to say, before we get into it, (laughs) Maelstrom Radio episode 205, we were on that. We were. It was great. I can't imagine we'll ever be invited back again. I am positive we'll be invited back again. Are you kidding me? <laughs> I like they are. Ex- Sorry. I was going to say, you said that last time, and yet we were back. <laughs> That's true. I was, I was very surprised last time, and I was very surprised this time. I suppose there is... I mean, they could lose their minds. It could be a slow news month. Maybe they'll need a guest. Who knows? I think that they're going to invite us back because they have good taste. And we taste great. So I have been told that, yes. Correct. So, how was everyone's weeks last time, this past week? And, more importantly, include this in there. How has patch 4.2 been going for you? Uh, we are going to be spoiling the patch this week. The fucking limiters are off. We had technical difficulties, and now we're here, and it's been a month, so patch time. All right. Uh, uh, let me start. Start with you, Kali. Sure. Uh, well, patch four point two was uh, a few years ago, so it's been a minute. I don't remember. Oh, right. It is six point two, well. isn't it? Yeah, patch six point two. Okay, we can talk about that too. Uh, <laughs> patch six point two. 
Uh, I'm just going to go ahead and put this out there right now. Uh, patch 6.2 is the thirstiest MSQ patch in the history of this game, and I'll fight anyone who says otherwise. And yes, I have to come clean and admit it. I was secretly the lead writer of patch 6.2, which is, as, as my Discord pointed out, which the only explanation for what goes down during that patch. Um, uh, I'm, I'm not yeah. going to lie. I kind of just looked over everything that happened in the patch at one point and went, this is like Callie's entire list of fetishes. Correct. <laughs> it, it reeks of Callie. Every like, single one of them. Like, like Callie's like scent play fetishes all over this thing. Um, I the love feminization. Oh, oh, okay. is in there. The Among corruption is in everything. there. Everything. It's everything I want, and I know we'll talk about it a little bit more in the thirst down. But I love this patch. Uh, I love the MSQ this time around. It's one of my. Fi- I'll tell you what. The point two of any expansion is usually not the strongest of them. Although five point two, I'll admit, was pretty good. Uh, but 6.2 is excellent. I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. My Warrior of Light left for her island sanctuary. She hasn't been seen since. Uh, that I, I just presume that she is currently in the process of, of forming an economy uh, on her island. Uh, her daughter has uh, befriended almost every animal on the island by this point. Uh, so, yeah, she's been she's been really busy. Narasi uh, brought an alligator home the other day, and I don't know how that's going to go. Uh, but it, no, I love this patch. Everything aces so far. Can't wait to see the relic weapon. I'm very happy for you. I, uh, have not so much as breathed in the direction of Island Sanctuary or the new raid or any of that stuff because I did the MSQ and then promptly was so swept by how incredible some of those character designs are one in particular that i took a bit of a break and proceeded to be ill and zombie like for the next two weeks or something like that that is the most fascinating way i've ever heard someone say i played the patch and then went to jack off for a few weeks (laughs) that is one way to interpret what i said and that's the way that you've chosen to the correct way the only way it should be reality is open to interpretation mm-hmm. nothing is objectively true except that i'm always right so anyway <laughs> um this is also the first day and i don't know how long that i have been fully awake and energized and ready to go and i'm not even a little bit tired and there's no limiters they've all been taken off so this is the pure raw uncut crack rock of jiraku that you're getting today <laughs> Oh God! I love crack and on that, <laughs> and on the note of loving crack rock Taraku, Serena, how was your week, and how have you been enjoying the patch? So I absolutely loved the patch. I played it as soon as I could. Did all the fights. Did the raid. I've actually already done the EX trial and have my weapon for Black Mage. Um, how I did it as a Black Mage, I will never know. Yeah, but that, I did that it. fight must be a a fucking trip on Black Mage it's because. So much fun. From the moment like she does the phase change onward, there's you just keep moving. I'm boogieing. I'm like yeah. I'm boogieing, but it was a lot of fun. Um, my week otherwise, um, uh, I've looked at apartments. I've got my wedding dress in. I've done a lot of wedding stuff. I mean, as as someone who has so, gone through getting married twice now, yeah, yeah. A... <laughs> hey, Serena, are you getting married or something? Uh, no, actually, I just have this obsession with one person, and I decided that together we're going to meet on October 31st, and he has no idea. 
Oh my gosh. All of our family and friends. That's adorable. That's going to be the weirdest surprise party of all time. I know, right? That is lovingly ominous. (laughs) No, he knows. I mean, that said, lovingly ominous is basically like Serena's motto. Exactly. The only thing he does not know is about my dress, which I've been wonderful at keeping that a surprise. Oh, he's going to love it. I saw a picture of it. It's so gorgeous. Serena. It is. (laughs) It is a magnificent dress. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thank you. You make it look fabulous. Of course. Listen, I was a little nervous because I got no updates about the dress. And I literally I literally reached out and they were like, your dress will be shipped to you the 1st of September. And I was like, okay. And I was like, well, they're like, we shipped your dress to you. And I was like, well, I love it or hate it. Let's go. God. So <laughs> I love it. <laughs> so on the topic of love and how wonderful it can be, uh, we're going to move on to the thirst down, which I have won by default. Everyone <sighs> oh. knows it. Everyone knows it before we even start listing them that oh. I've won this week. Yeah. Uh, because it turns out that letting me make the outline was a mistake and that I beat everyone to it. So and here, yeah, here, here's the thing about that. Whoever made the outline this week was just going to win because for the first time in this ga- since this game's inception, there is an answer, an actual indisputable answer to the question, who's the hottest character in this game? Mm -hmm. It's never happened before, but as of 6.2, the debate is over, and there is just an answer to it. So I think Serena and I have to go first, since once you say yours, everything else is meaningless. I'm still angry, because this was supposed to be my week. That's true. We were supposed to be doing 6.2 on your week. That's true. That's true. We were supposed to, but now we're not. You can take power outages and doofishness theory uh jiraku uh, caused my power outage and then just said uh oh uh the internet's not working here guys we're gonna have to wait another week oh by the way can we do 6.2 on the next episode i think that's what happened and me too you'll never find the hedge clippers that i cut your power <laughs> yeah. with yeah i'm sure uh but yeah i think i think we probably have to go first huh yeah, yeah, Callie, let's start with you. Who's, sure. Who did you pick for the Thirst Down? So That here... hall of wonderful characters that yeah. everyone can universally agree are hot enough that they right. deserve to be enshrined mm-hmm. on a list along with the likes of Amon yeah. and Shola and uh-huh. Yugiri. Mm-hmm. And yours is... Uh, so I thought, as I, as I looked through this week, um, here's the thing. Uh, I I looked down the list and saw who y'all had picked, and I literally went, "Okay, I'm not wasting a good character on this one because I just lose." Like I could put up the best hot, like I could put up Penthesilia from week one, right? And I'd still just lose because this character that you picked is objectively better. Uh, Correct. So instead, I went the opposite way. I said, "Well, I'm not wasting a good character." Uh, so I nominate to the Thirstown uh, Ilbert, which is uh, if there's ever been a white flag of surrender not seen since Ilbert himself lost. Um, yeah, uh, that's what this is. Uh, I, 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 I concede I cannot win the Thirstown this week. You are uh, this week inscrutable. Uh, your, your pick is undeniable, and I'm only angry that I didn't get to choose it. Uh, so, But I pick Ilbert because he... Um, uh, sure. He, um, well, he cut <laughs> off, he cut off Raban's arm that one time. That was cool. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that just means he's morally opposed to masturbation. Uh, 
Yeah, you know what? Ilbert sucks. He probably is against masturbation. Uh, he um, there was that time where uh, he got everyone to drink the Kool Aid with him, and uh, they all died. That sucked. Um, yeah, Callie, I'm gonna be real with you. The only way this could be an even bigger L is if it was also a dragon. <laughs> I mean, listen. To be clear, all the dragons are hotter than Ilbert. That's true, including the dragon that only exists because of Ilbert. I mean, including Shinryu. Agreed, a hundred percent. Yeah, that's that's very true. Um, but no, uh, yeah, I, I pick Ilbert for pure purposes of I don't want to waste a good pick, uh, and I'll and I'll be back next week when com- when uh, competitive fairness has been restored. <laughs> oh. Uh, oh, I love it. So, Serena, what's your excuse this week for losing? I can, I can literally just hear Jiraku like swimming in my disdain right now. So my 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 excuse like Scrooge McDuck. My excuse for losing this week is you, but um, <laughs> Jiraku. I can't even. I'm like trying to be so nice. I just want to like. So, anyways, my... I don't think I've ever seen Serena actually angry. <laughs> I think Serena's legit angry right now. This is like uh, this is like the closest <laughs> she gets to showing anger. I don't have a lot of words when I get angry. Yeah. I'm an angry crier too. So I'm not crying, I promise. Mm-hmm. Um let me tell you, I'll just tell you who I put down for my thirst down. Um it is I'm never gonna pronounce his name correct. Adult Fashan. You got it, Varshan. Yeah. You got it right. That's correct. Adult Varshan, because, you know, when we were all watching that scene, they were like, we have something for you. And all of a sudden he came out and he was a new, improved man. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Varshan got himself a glow up. <laughs> he, got, he got like a. <laughs> Which was very funny, by the way, at the end of 6.2 when he came back out and he was just in like the small body again. And I'm like, why? I was like, why? Go away with it. And then he's, like, he's like, oh, they're inspecting the other uh, simulacrum to make sure that it's not like degraded from being in there. And it's like, shut up. Get back in your big body. No, this is not who you are anymore. Get <laughs> in the big body. Get in the big body. <laughs> Get in the big body, Shinji. Listen, I also think it's very fitting because when we did do Maelstrom Radio, I did put Vitra. Mm-hmm, you did? With that down, so it's kind of like, you know, it's a full circle. We're going full circle, even though I want to like... Find Jiraku. Yeah. And just make punch his power him square work in the nose. last week. Yeah, I could yeah. punch him square in the nose. Yeah, I just want to punch him square in the nose. That's that's hundred <laughs> percent. But Varshan's a good pick, I think. I like That's uh, an alarmingly common response to me. I'll bet. I bet. Uh, I, I, I was impressed. Uh Varshan got, got himself a glow up. And I'll tell you what it made me think of when I saw mm-hmm. Varshan's uh new form. It made me think I really hope in seven point oh or at some point we see the twins get a glow up because like, we need to. It's time. And clearly, SE can do it. Exactly. I suspect that what's going to happen is they're going to have us go, like, I suspect the route that we're going to take is we're going to end up saving fucking everything's going to be fine and dandy. We're going to save uh, Vritra's sister from the void. And she's going to be like, yay, you're rad. Awesome. I'm going to go back to Maricidia. Hey, want to come back with me to Maricidia for the next expansion? And then we'll come with like none of the characters from the first bit. And it'll uh-huh. be a new expansion that you can go do immediately after beating a Realm Reborn if you want to. Interesting. Um, I could see that. Um, 
I, I think my, that if they add another new expansion that requires you play through all of the game that exists yeah. before that, it would be a mistake. Mm-hmm. I, I think I have two thoughts for how it might go. One is that it will be that it will be a new spot that you can basically pick as your starting expansion for lack of a better term. Although that would require them potentially then to make low level areas again for you to level up in. If you don't do the realm reborn stuff, because I think I think it would be you do a realm reborn and then you get to pick which path you go down. That could be, but you'd still only be level 50 at the end of realm. Right. They might do some kind of like level sync thing for the zones. Maybe that could be a possibility. The other possibility that I have is um, that a story skip will become part of like making a new character. You can take mm-hmm. a story skip to the new expansion if you want to. Yeah. And basically, That's your, your head can- cannon would just be that your character didn't do those things. Huh. I guess they could do that, though. That would be really weird to me. Yeah. I agree. I, I think it would be really weird. Like, and maybe, like I say, like you say, maybe they would have it be that, like, you get it at the end of a realm reborn, so that if you don't want to go through Heaven's Ward and Stormblood and all those, which I think you're insane if you don't want to, because, like, you know, the obviously the big story that builds up to the final conclusion of Endwalker is really good. Um, and I do think that the whole purpose of 7.0 will be to start something new and interesting and exciting. Uh, that said, like. It's going to be really a tip, a difficult line for them to walk when they get to 7.0, especially because I believe that the end of 6.x is going to be something akin to the the bloody banquet or something akin to the fall of Dalamud, where it's going to be like we're going to be like, oh holy shit, and it's going to set up the next ten years of this game. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and whatever else happens, my first down entry zero is going to be in there, and it's going to be. Great, because she's the hottest goth that has ever gothed in anything ever. There is no one gother except maybe Serena. That's the only person that can give zero competition. I was about to say, if you say she's the the hottest goth, I um, am offended. Have you not seen me? Um, I mean, I'm I'm just going to put this out there. Uh, Zero zero did things to me. Zero did. Zero and her lesbian haircut and her and her cool hat did did things to me that a, a character has not done to me in this game ever. The thing that amazes me about Zero is that I have spoken to no less than six different people that are all of the correct opinion that Zero is hot as yep. fuck. They yep. are. And honestly... everyone has a different reason. Everyone has a different thing that they think about Zero. Guys, she's she's so broken and damaged and just needs someone to fix her. We gotta fix oh, her! I wanna fix her. Yeah. Oh, it's so unhealthy. Uh no, here's here this is a true story. Um after uh we finished 6.2 in this household, I told my uh wonderful, loving, and at an all too often way too understanding wife uh that our characters we're now canonically in a polycule because Zero is entering it. Um, I told her she can have Graha, uh, but my uh, but her new uh, congratulations because her new metamor is Zero uh, because Callie has herself a crush, a big time crush on Zero, and uh, yeah, no, I love her, and I have a horrible, 
horrible feeling she's going to die at the end of this expansion, and that will be the end of her. But uh, I hope not. Not to be always writing now. If this was the Heavensward writers, she wouldn't make it through the next patch. I know. Mm-hmm. I, I, my hope is that she will be a main character going into 7.0. She will be one of our founding characters of like the new group, whatever it's going to be in Mirasidia as we move on to the next part of the game. The goths. That is, <laughs> that is my hope. My fear is that she is going to give her life at the end of 6.55 and that she is going to give her life to restore the void. And I just have a horrible feeling in my heart of hearts that that's going to happen, but I hope it doesn't because I love her and I want to save her and I want to help her. Oh, want to protect her, even though yes. she doesn't need protecting. So indeed, Jiraku, it's no contest this week. You win the thirst down. Correct. Correct. And it's because <sighs> I realized faster than anyone else and put mine in and i would just like to say to myself congratulations you did it yeah congratulations you scumbag uh mutiny this mutiny mutiny? correct that's what that's what i hear uh but no i i thought she was uh she's great she's a super interesting addition to the to the cast and characters of the game um 6.2 again the whole story was just like hot people and i oh yes the story i was just like oh my god oh my god i also what did you guys choose when they were like you're a xenos friend oh uh well uh, uh, i told i was like xenos is a bitch <laughs> oh okay that's uh, the option i took fuck that guy i think i took absolutely not yeah uh was my my head can for my warrior of light is like yeah cal is like murderously hateful of xenos so she's like no Listen, I may love Xenos, but I definitely was like, we were not friends. We were not friends. Listen, like, just because we fucked those couple times, like, those you don't have times, to be friends. Doesn't mean we were friends. We just. Exactly. Yeah, no, I, I, Serena, I got you. I'm picking up what you're putting down. Good. Uh, you're smelling what I'm stepping in. That's an interesting way of putting it. <laughs> I would just like to point out, by the way, that the nature of what it took to uh, get Zero back to not weird monster form. Mm-hmm. Uh, just goes on to prove that Vinat remains the greatest wingman of all time. That's a hundred percent the truth. hundred percent. Vinat is, uh, again, Mommy Heidelin, uh, she is the reason that I, I wanted her for the, to, for the Thurston Hall of Fame. She's incredible. What a character. And now she's a great wingman, too. I love her. She's always one of the Correct. best for us, and she's she's made sure. My Somehow she's thinks. dead and gone, and still getting us the best hookups. Correct. <laughs> I like I like to think she knew. She was like, at some point, Warrior of Light's going to meet this person, and I they am about fuck. to make her very happy. Oh my god, I love her. I, I love her. She is great. If if anything happens to her, I will kill everyone in this room and then myself. I literally got to her, and I had to wait because I my best friend. Um, I was like, my best friend is going to love her. My best friend is going to love her. Do you know how many G-Pose photos my best friend has taken with Sarah? <laughs> <laughs> she literally logs out next to her. Oh, my so god! So logs in, she's next to her. And I think that is what we all need to aspire to be. Because that is just instant serotonin when you log in. I remember, and we'll, and we'll talk about it more when we get to the MSQ discussion <laughs> later. But, like, I remember uh, as I was going through the, the sequence, there's the part where she asks, you know, what is the purpose of dancing? And my character, who is a formal former strip club worker, effectively, I was like, "Well, that's a fiction I'm writing." As 
Callie shows her the value of dancing. That's going to happen. Correct. So, <laughs> uh, we've all acknowledged that I have won the thirst down. Yes, Zero is the best. We are probably never going... Here's the deal. For the rest of this season, Zero is the one to beat. And the only way that Zero is not going to be the number one in the Thirst Down at the end of this season is if at some point some patch is released before between now and then that somehow tops Zero. And I don't think that'll happen. I know, right? Like It does feel like the Hall of Fame... Uh, candidate for season two is already kind of decided like this is like Mm -hmm. the first time i think uh that we have all been this in agreement of a winner for a thirst down like penthesilia last week was pretty well in agreement but like not like this this is like like everyone in the green room show everyone this week was like nah nah, draka wins i changed my entry to be someone suckish just so i didn't waste someone against this like that's never happened before in the thirst down Uh, that's correct so yeah unless someone hotter gets put in the game and i cannot even fathom what that would be although uh uh se don't let that discourage you please try please um, se do your best i, I mean beat Jiraku. yeah maybe we get glow up gaia and uh we're like oh well okay then i mean that would be interesting glow up gaia would almost just be zero uh anyway <laughs> she gets she gets taller cuts her hair i mean hmm keep longer hair I think the longer, the longer hair is hair. yeah, and like the frilly hair. dresses. Yeah. No, and the so hammer. You that, get the femme and you get the mask. Yeah. That's about all I could imagine. That would make like, 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 like glow up Reen and Gaia is all I could really think oh, of. That would be. Lesbians. I'm sorry. I know, right. <laughs> that would, that would maybe top it. But like, outside of that, I, I don't know how you beat zero. She's incredible. Yeah. Fuck you, Draku. Yeah. Fuck you, Draku. Draku Dwake. Fuck you. I could. So. Today, for our discussion, uh, we are going to be covering our reactions to 6.2. The notes say initial spoiler free, but we're past that point. So we're just going to cover everything about 6.2 that matters uh, to any of us. And then we will be moving on to our first how-to writing segment with Callie and Jiraku featuring schoolgirl Serena as the audience. Yes, we will be. I'm so excited for this. I've been writing a ton as of late. I have been very excited for and anticipating this as well. Um, uh, I, I, and I, I like a notebook. <laughs> I like our first topic too, Jiraku, because you and I have very different approaches to it. Correct. And that is, that is in my opinion, one of the big values of doing that bit on this show. Mm-hmm. Because we're radically different, which means... We can provide two radically different perspectives for our audience. And it's not means... just it's not just me being echoed and told how right I am by everyone around me <laughs> at all times, because that does get tiring a little bit eventually. It's the great burden of being me. Ah, uh, yeah. Yeah, the great burden of being you. <laughs> the unbearable weight of massive talent. It must be brutal. It's so difficult for him to hold up all that ego. I mean, that I do believe. Yes. Uh, all right, so I guess 6.2 is where we're starting. Correct. With the MSQ. Let's all just right. dive in. Uh, this well, is I'm, your last warning. Yeah, this, yeah, exactly. If you haven't already been spoiled on everything. This is it. Um, I would like to start off. I really liked the new music. 
All right. For... I really loved the new title card also. Yes, I did. I like the new battle music and then like all the new stuff for it. Can we all just agree that Soken was listening to Evanescence all summer long? <laughs> because that's how this music came about. I'm okay with about. it. Like, I don't okay. think Soken's the only person that was listening to Evanescence. <laughs> I think everyone was I, working on I, the game. Whoever drew zero... <laughs> Was so listening to Evanescence. Was like watching, not even listening. Was watching the music video. <laughs> yeah, they had a, they had like a compilation of like Evanescence and Paramore going on constantly. Like that is that is exactly how six point two came about. Yeah, that's, that's just my last MCI. Um, I agree, Serena. The music in this in this MSQ and in the raid, especially top notch this time around. So I have a question though. With the MSQ, is it reminiscent to? the game that they are pulled from because i know they're from another final fantasy game but i don't um, know what game it so is so the four fiends and gobez are from final fantasy 4 yes okay and the boss music in the first the uh, the final boss music of the first dungeon is the boss battle music of ff4 okay so that's what i because i know that when we talk about final fantasy 14 everything like that whenever they have stuff that draws from the other uh, final fantasies they tend to take the music and kind Correct. of Final Fantasy fourteenify it. Yes. So that's why I wanted, like I want to make sure like this was the music yes. that they pulled from it, and yes. they just you know gothified yep. it. In my that's, opinion, <laughs> that's exactly and what that... it is. FF4's boss battle music is the boss battle music of the first dungeon of the dungeon rather, and the Battle of the Four Fiends, which is also from FF4, is um, Barbariccia's music. I love Barbariccia. For my money, the only Final Fantasy boss fight theme that is generic boss fight theme, as opposed to like the Four Fiends one is special, right? Mm-hmm. Right. The only one that's better than the FF4 one is the FF6 one. And it's close. Uh, yeah. I mean, well, first of all, the FF6 music, uh, when we get to hear... Um, uh, yeah. I, no, I, I was even thinking of um, yeah, when you fight like uh, Doom Train and whatnot. Yes, yes. But I was thinking when you fight uh, Kafka and you get uh, his uh, uh, dancing mad. Thank God! Oh my God, that was oh my gosh, I, I fought Kafka like two times this past week. Yeah, uh, the dancing mad is one of like Uematsu's all time like time wonders. It is an incredible ach- musical achievement. Yes, you, you know. Uh, all what? I have now stuck in my head is the music that Jiraku just sang because now I'm thinking about fighting a train, which whenever I did that fight confused the fuck out of me. I was like, why are we fighting a that, train? That <laughs> fight is so awesome in how yeah. it incorporates that part of FF6 into the game. What, uh, like it's also, genuinely really impressive and smartly done. Yeah, what a weird part of FF6 that really doesn't fit in to the rest of the game at all. Uh, I mean, that's you could just say what a weird part of FF game that doesn't fit the rest of the game. At all. <laughs> and you're not wrong. You've, you've just described all of Omega. I mean, <laughs> basically, yeah. Oh, that one part where we fight Shardnook, the the painting bad guy. I remember that mm-hmm. that bit. But no, you're right. Um, and uh, again, here as we see them uh, pulling from inspirations from different parts of the Final Fantasy uh, world and mythos, um, FF four. Totally awesome. Uh, love getting to hear Battle of the Four Fiends. Love the FF4 boss battle music is one of my favorite themes in the entire library of FF music. So mm-hmm. getting to hear that again uh, in, as you say, kind of FF14ified as we fought uh, Scarmelion was super cool. I have a prediction to throw down. Mm-hmm. Golbez is Zero's mom. Oof. Ooh. 
The um, reason I think that is twofold. Uh, one, because in FF4, Golbez, I'm not, you, everyone should listen to this that hasn't should play FF4, so I'm not going to go super far into it. Uh, but basically, Golbez is someone who has a lot more depth to his motivation. He's not just doing evil shit. He has a genuinely good purpose behind the reason that he's doing the evil shit, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, he is, it's to the point where you could, you could make an argument to describe him as an anti-villain or an anti-hero rather yeah. than like an outright antagonist. Uh, so, and then like when you have the conversation where Golbez is putting together the four fiends, it really does not come across as Golbez being like, oh yeah, I'm building together this army. These guys are so cool. It's like, hey, he's, here's the four chumps that showed up and I need minions to accomplish whatever it is I'm trying to do. So fuck it. I guess it's these four. He doesn't seem to really actually give a shit when either of the two die. Yeah, it didn't seem to to bother him any, that's for sure. Um it 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 to him they definitely seem like a means to an end. Um I don't I would suspect that end is probably one that is debatably benevolent. Like, it's, like, on the scale of the Void is fucked, we have to fix the Void and make it right. back to what it was before this. Well, benevolent in his eyes, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm not saying I think Golbez is a hero, right. but I am saying that Golbez is going to be someone that you can empathize with who they are and why they're doing this. And so far, we have had exactly one character mentioned in MSQ that we do not know and have not seen where they are otherwise. And that's... Zero's mom. I mean, that's an interesting thought. Uh, I will say to your point of us probably finding out that this character is a little bit more uh, empathizable than uh, we would think. That is Essie's mo, especially mm-hmm. in fourteen. It's it's pretty seldom we get a bad guy who is a bad guy for the sake of being a bad guy. Um, and then every- everyone loves Zenos. Uh, I mean, yeah, pretty much. That's my point, though. Like more often nowadays, Emmett Selk is is more the formula where by the end of it, you feel pretty terrible for him. Elidibus, we see that again with him. We mm-hmm. see that with Hermes. We see that, and, and uh, by extension, Amon and even Fan Daniel a little bit. Uh, no, nothing for Fan Daniel. I feel, yeah, fuck I that feel guy. nothing for Fan Daniel at all. Yeah, but uh, that's my point. Though is usually they try to make them a little bit more understandable. They don't have. You don't have a whole lot of Saturday morning cartoon villains in Final Fantasy XIV. Usually, they're not anymore. They're a little bit more complex than than that. Exactly, not anymore. Not since the days of like, I don't know, Heavensward. Uh, Heavensward. Yeah, that's I think uh, mm-hmm. uh, about it. Where you're like, okay, and even then, like Nidhogg, they actually did go into depth about like why Nidhogg hated humanity I, so much. I didn't even mean Nidhogg. I meant Lahabrea when oh, he well, died in Heavensward. <laughs> that was the last one. Yeah, that's true. When he after he was gone. Yeah, there haven't been many since. I mean, you know. Because Teleji Adeleji's dead. Yeah, he's gone. Mm -hmm. Gilbert had a motive, and it was despair and outrage that honestly made a lot of sense. Yep. It was was every single person that played FF14 and liked Alamigo's reaction to we're going to Ishgard. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. Uh... And then, yeah, since then, what? I mean, Yotsuyu, yeah. Uh, Zeno's probably the last. Like, at that point, he was very much just like, I'm evil because I'm evil. Suck it up. Mm-hmm. And, of course, 
even they couldn't resist even with him and, and Walker showing a little bit more of his motivation, even though at its core, it is still, I don't give a shit about anything. The only thing that makes me feel anything is fighting you, so that's what I want to do. Um, and you're like, all right, so more nihilism and more of uh, just, um, he's a sociopath, like, and it's basically it. Um, remains a perfect analog for every player of FF14 with <laughs> cutscenes. <laughs> you know what? I, don't I won't. Know. I won't disagree with that. I won't disagree with that either. No, I won't. Uh, but yeah, I, I thought uh, the MSQ this time around uh, super interesting. I love that we're getting to explore the void. I love that they have given us a couple callbacks if you've done all the role quests and Shadowbringers, so you get a little bit extra tied in if you've done those things, but it's not necessary. Uh, I think it's a really brilliant compromise on the system of because they don't add whole ass new zones in the right. mm-hmm. pack. They've never done that before, and there's no reason to think that they'd start now. But the void is not. If it was like just a dungeon and some cutscenes, that would be like really fucking lame. Yeah. So they're taking advantage of the fact that the void itself, what it is, is a bunch of weird separate little zones. Right. By mm-hmm. making it a bunch of weird separate little instance oh. zones, which is brilliant. Really. Yeah. And I thought it was clever too that they use the dungeon and once you clear the dungeon, those are just the zones that you run around and do stuff oh, in. And yes. It's like that's a clever way of actually introducing a new zone without introducing a new zone. Although it was jarring to kind of get that message at the end where you're like, You're not gonna be able to come back here for a while, make sure you've done everything, you won't be able to come back in this patch, and you're like, All right, well, I mean I get I get why, but it is weird to have a zone locked off to you. Yeah. It is, absolutely. Uh, I was, I more so like, I was like, yes, I'm going to go. And I kind of just walked around before anything else happened. Who else sat in the chair? Did you guys sit in the chair? (laughs) Absolutely. I sat in the chair. You didn't think I was going to take a chance to sit in the throne? I sat on the throne. I was like, "Mm, yes, perfect. (laughs) It's always weird when I do, when like anything like that is put in the game. Cause like my Makote is like small. Uh, And so like Callie just sits in here and she's like, like half the size of the throne. And like, okay, well. It's still perfect. You know. I mean. She feels good about it. <laughs> uh, Jiraku, did you do the raid? Uh, no, but we he can talk about other, it. He hasn't done the other uh, he he ones either. Ways. All right, well, we'll talk about the, the last, raid. The only raids that I have actually done all of are Alexander and Eden. I mean, those are decent ones. I've done. Wait, you haven't done all of Bahamut? Uh, I watched fucking Ethis Asher's video on it. Like, oh, okay. Well, fair enough. Seven years ago. Uh, fair enough. You should still do it. It's awesome. But uh, yeah, I get it. Uh, okay. Let's talk about the raid a little bit, uh, Serena. I guess we'll we'll go through it. The music? Uh, I loved Aces. it. Amazing. So yeah. I felt, I have, a, I felt bad for, um, what's her name? Uh, I hope not Athena. God no. God no. Oh my uh, god. Out of literally all the characters that I have I have ever disliked, I think I have she was the one I have had the most disdain for. Yeah, I know who you're talking about. The girl you meet in uh P seven. Yes. Yeah, what is her name? Hemaji. Hemat he- not Hemaji. No, that's head- six is is uh P seven. <gasps> oh, um It's fuck. it's like Y G something. Yeah, call her the tree. Yeah, yeah. It, oh yeah, is it? Not no, that's Yggdrasil. Yeah, that's the tree. But it's something like Yggdrasil. No, that's the tree. Yeah, the tree's E seven. But I don't know. I oh yeah, that, and that's what her name is based off of. Duh. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Uh, it's some. It's something like Yggdrasil, but it's not spelled that way. I felt really bad for her, in my opinion. Like I felt so bad for her because, like everyone else, 
gets the redemption, unfortunately, but her. I mean, yeah. I mean, like, she doesn't survive her redemption. Nope. She she does, like, kind of show, like, oh, yeah, no, I, I was good. Just, you know, this sucked. Uh, I, I thought the entirety of the this round was so much better than the first run. The first run of Pandemonium was weak. Uh, this this though oh my gosh yeah sounds a lot like alexander and well so you know it is you you know with the most recent patch they had to bring down the hp of okay the pas Uh, of pas no they did they had to bring down the max hp of pas and their reasoning for it is the best response i've ever seen a developer have to something ever they literally said we lowered the hp because our team was DPSing too high and was too good. Exactly. And I'm like, oh, okay, just put your dick on the table. Why don't you? That was so, <laughs> what an incredible response. I love them so much right now. Uh, but no, I, I thought the the fights this time around were top notch. I thought the um, the music, gorgeous. The, the interesting uh, ring layout for P7, super, super interesting. My biggest complaint? <laughs> No thirstable characters coming out of this one. None. Like, uh, like, uh, P six. Uh, that girl. That girl's got an infestation going on. And I'm she not has about a worm. That. She, she has got a worm a- coming out of her. I'm not okay. into it. So have you? Have you done it? Have you been hit by the worm spray? Uh, yeah, and, and done the dance. <laughs> have you seen the weird ass dance you have? To yeah, do? When, when a parasite infects your brain and makes you dance, it's fucked up. <laughs> it was terrifying. <laughs> My friend was my. I had a friend literally. I we I ran them for this week last night. Yeah. My friend, I had a friend who was like, "What do you mean you do a dance?" And I was like, "Oh, you want to see? Take a mind. I was healing it, and I literally ran into the spray. Yeah. It's, <laughs> and they were like, "What are you doing?" And I was like, "Wait, watch." And they're like, oh, "Ew." Yeah, it's so weird. It's so, it's so bad. Weird. It was yeah. so bad. So uh, you get the STD reminder in six, and then. Uh, when I heard, like, they started using female pronouns for the, the character uh, who was going to be in Seven, I started getting my hopes up, and then the tree showed up, and I was like, nope. Well, did you not listen? They were like, I don't think she is. She's beyond saving. Uh, yeah, that's true, which is hopeful, because uh, once we saw the, the real version of her, uh, Aces, well done. Yes, exactly. Uh, I, I literally, uh, Serena, I want you to know, as soon as I saw that tree, I was like, all right, well, Serena's a monster fucker. I don't know if she'd be into <laughs> this, though. <laughs> I don't. So Serena, w- no, uh, w- w- no, that that's not that's a no go. That's a no go for me. Unfortunately, then, the tree is really ashy elbows. Yeah. Then you get to P eight us or P eight, and you're like, all right, my man's here. Uh, looks like what a step down from sexy vampire daddy in right? in P four. This guy, yeah, this guy's not looking so good. This guy. I don't, I'm not a fan. I mean, I guess it, it fits that his name is Hephaestus, but like uh-huh. still, yeah, that's, I don't know. I, I was not, not a fan of him. Can we talk about how it is very on running that I think the, basically the third fight in the newest release raids is usually harder than the last one. I feel like that's been a trend for a minute. It's though. been a very big trend, even with, with P3, now with P7. Because uh-huh. P P eight, I'm just like in there. I'm just like, all right. Yeah. Here's a sucker. You know. Yep. Be- I, beat this bitch up. Oh, you need. To- okay, here you go. I think that was true with E seven. I don't think it was true with E eleven. I don't think. E- uh, I don't think Thanker was nearly as hard as the no, last I, boss. 
that was it was E10. Uh, E10 was the dog. The dog, yeah, that was that was that was the weirdly hard one on the way to the final one of that. Mm-hmm. Um, E7, I believe, was uh, Ifrit and tight or and Garuda. Ifrit and Garuda, right? Oh, Ifrit and Garuda. I think I can actually do Ifrit and Garuda. I cannot do Titan. Which is I think E4? is Titan E4. Yeah, I think it's E4. That one till this day still confuses me. I yeah. always get pushed off. I will always get pushed off. I just mm-hmm. kind of look at him and go, "Fuck you." Yeah. RC uh, yeah. So, uh, yeah. Ultimately, uh, where I stand on on the raid for this go around, uh, I'm right now. I'm working on P5S. Uh, we have a once week group that we're trying to clear on. We just got past the midway mechanic, which is Devour oh. on, on Carbuncle. We're doing pretty well for a once a week group. Uh, I love it. I I love the the Savage raid mechanics so far. I love the regular raid mechanics. The music's great. Just wish there was more thirstable characters. Eight out of ten. I wish there was more thirstable characters, most definitely. But music, fight, I love it, absolutely. But I like fighting. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I like destroying. <laughs> so I have, we have down here, uh, Island Sanctuary. I have not uh-huh. done anything with that. I don't yeah. even know where you unlock it. Tell me. Uh, so okay. you have to, uh, oh, go ahead. I, I hoped, I said on the last episode, I hope that all this actually is, is them being like, Hey, so you're like the warrior of light and you save the world and shit. Here's an island. And I want you to know that that is almost exactly what it is. Uh, <laughs> so Tataru finds out that uh, the Admiral is the Cedalese Islands. Uh, she is looking for things to do with those islands because they're largely unpopulated. And uh, Tataru has this idea of creating self-sustaining economies and places on these islands that can basically just be their own thriving locations mm-hmm. uh and she puts your name forward as a test for this subject to, to to be the one to run it and do it and of course because you saved the fucking world uh your name doesn't get a whole lot of scrutability and immediately they're just like oh well yeah that's an improve yes so you get the <laughs> island uh and yeah, so you get an island and you get to go there and you get to, to build stuff on it. You get to manage like the workshops on it. You get to collect animals. It's it's Animal Crossing. You, you play Animal Crossing on your island, effectively. Um, you do a little bit of Harvest Moon stuff. You do a little bit of uh, Monster Rancher stuff. Well, not Monster Rancher stuff. That's not correct. I was going to say, it's but, Animal Crossing, but you get a mount you can run on and your mount is at max speed. It's like at maximum velocity. Correct. I literally got on my mount and I started zooming and I was like, oh God. Island Sanctuary asks a very interesting question. Mm-hmm. How much are our w- players willing to do for a pair of denim cutoffs to get a pair of Daisy Dukes in this game? And the answer, as it turns out, is Everything. a lot. Uh, whatever it takes. Because I worked my ass off to get my pair of Daisy Dukes for my Warrior of Light, and she rocks them constantly now. My island. Wait, does, doesn't that mean? Doesn't that mean that they wouldn't look any good on you? Are you trying? Because you worked your ass off, so there's just there's nothing there. <laughs> I hate you. <laughs> Truly. And don't get me wrong. Mikote, uh, Mikote definitely do not have the most junk in the trunk to work with. I'm sure the Elizen can rock it way better than I can. Uh, however, uh, no, Callie is, uh, is killing it in her, uh, in her Daisy Dukes and her uh, island exploration top. It's so good. I absolutely love it. Um, Seriously, as far as like a fun little side content thing, ten out of ten. 
I, I'm it, really impressed with Island Sanctuary. It is so cute. And you get to name your animals. You do. And if you don't give them pun names, what are you doing with your life? I didn't give mine pun names. They have they have they have uh food names. Mine is Snowball. Which one is Snowball? Snowball's a white lamb. A white lamb, okay. But that's I definitely got the golden coblin. Oh, you did? Nice. Yeah, and I'm really sad because Square Enix would let me name it Piss. <laughs> Jeez. So okay. I named it. I named it Corn, but with why don't a K. You, why don't you name it Golden Shower? I don't think I just named it Corn with a K. Okay, fair enough. And every time people come over, they go. Ah. I uh, <laughs> I got the Gooboo the other day, which was pretty exciting. Uh, I, I named him. Oh Lord, he a coming. You should have just named it Serena. <laughs> uh, I thought about naming it Serena's son. Uh, and, uh, Jr. Gubuson Jr. Yeah, uh, yeah. The Gubu's pretty great. I'm still trying to get the alligator, which is frustrating because the alligator keeps running away. But I um tried to get Twinkle, whatever the Twinkle Fleece. I tried to get it with its human eyes. I really want it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it ran away from me. I was so sad. Rude. I also have the red little uh creature, not the red I... creature, the red penguin looking ass. I feel like the always sunny meme with the guy like going crazy as he looks at the board as I'm like planning out my workshop because there's an achievement for earning 17,000 calories in, in one cycle. And I'm mm-hmm. like, I, I have to do it. I can do this. And I'm like, I've got like my my my, sp- uh, my spreadsheet up. I've, I've been stocking up materials for weeks to like get prepped for it. And I'm like, I can do this. This is the week. We're getting 17,000. We're getting the achievement. I have I have a problem. Chivos. Chivos. Got to get it. I want the title. Gotta get them Chivos. You get the title Trader of Paradise, which is awesome. So I did not do (laughs) the EX for the new trial, but I did do the new trial for the story. And uh, fucking Scarmillion is like kind of a punk ass bitch. And I like that he's kind of a punk ass bitch. Yeah. I was unprepared for Barbaricia to go from Hot Garuda to... My hair is my muscles now. To, oh my to hello, God. mommy. Hello, to the wildest bayonetta shit since bayonetta two. Uh, and and can we point out that not only the bayonetta, uh, like her hair covering her, also she gets the bayonetta two haircut when she does that. She does. I don't know, I know. but she does. Mm-hmm. Uh, by it's the way, true. I saw the trailer for bayonetta three earlier. Very excited. Did, have they announced a release date yet? Yeah, it's, uh, they just did. I think it's October 28th, I saw. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I, 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 I will not... Mm. Okay, that's... We'll lose Jiraku. Yeah, we lost Jiraku. <laughs> uh, so, Serena, I only did Barbariccia normal. Uh, I haven't done EX. I'm doing EX this Saturday. Um, it's actually... I'm going to say it's... It is... It's not as hard as it looks. Where does it stack up with like Ensinger EX? Ah, uh, I mean, I've run Ensinger EX now. I could probably do it in my sleep. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It's like it took me a little bit, but it's not too. I don't think it's right. too bad. And L- if, like, if you had to compare it, like it's like Zodiac EX, Heidelin EX, Ensinger. I fucking EX. hate Zodiac EX, so don't. I will never compare. I I've literally ran it. I've got my clear once, and I've never ran it again. Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> I'm going. EX. I'm going to guess it can't be that bad if you first cleared it as a fucking black mage. Oh yeah, yeah. with well, randos. Yeah, can we talk about how like after she goes like crazy in the in the bit and uh, buffs up for a little bit, like 
she th- like she just you're moving from then on for the rest of the well, fight. So there's there's a part where I don't have to move that much so that mm-hmm. I can, you know, um do stuff. I try and I pray to the RNG gods for the PlayStation mechanic that I get to stay in my spot. Yep, that's true. That's I fair. pray, I pray, and it happens most of the time because I literally put down my lane lines and I'm like, okay, don't make me fucking move, you bitch. <laughs> got the uh, the 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 god of black mages Yoshi P answers your cries. Yeah, and I'm just like, oh, thank Jesus Christ. Uh, so, not so I know what? we, I know we probably need to move on, but like I, I do want to say real quick about Tatar's Grand Endeavor, which is the other thing that came out here. Uh, only reason I think we need to even say anything about it is because a thirst yeah. down appearance from from season one was on it. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, that's what I wanted to talk about. The at Grand Endeavor, I literally saw the person. I was like, I know this lady because of Jiraku. Yeah, I only know her because of Jiraku. <laughs> I only know her because of Jiraku. Jiraku, did also... you see the new Tatar's Grand Endeavor? I have not done that. Hit me well, with your girl. You your girl Radley Akeen shows up. Yeah, really. Yes. Yep, she's in it. Hell yeah, she does. Yep, she's in it. Yeah, just, you're you're gonna want to check it out. Congrats, you've convinced me. I'll do whatever Sarah's grand endeavor is. I, I'll be honest with you, I don't read patch notes very much, so I don't even know what that is. So Tatara's Grand that Endeavor new... basically lets you do stuff and you can get all of the portraits of the scions. Yep. And I have all of the portraits of the scions now, and they're all hanging in my not very decorated apartment. I'm very angry there isn't one of Moonbrita. I know. I have uh, literally in our free company house, we have a room that is like dedicated to those we've lost. Uh, so all the people who have fallen, their pictures are in there. And there isn't one. There's no picture in this game of Moonbrita. I mean, can't you just find a painting of a skeleton? I'm well, you. first of all, no, I can't. And secondly, fuck, fuck you. you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm glad we're all in agreement on that point. We are. Oh, on to the main event of this episode. The one that I have been the most excited for for the most time. This is our first how-to writing lesson. Now, basically what we're going to be doing, the format of this, what we're going to end up doing, is uh, Callie and I are going to be addressing what we... We're going to be addressing a core concept to writing creatively. Um, And... Serena here will be free to interject with any questions she has or thinks the audience might have. Uh, And this is for you guys out there. If you at me with any questions about anything we've discussed on this, if you at me on the Lair of These Schedules Discord, I will answer. Because I believe that the best part of this particular little bit that we're doing here with the how-to writing stuff is that I'm going to be able to actually help people write, which Mm -hmm. would be great because I used to do that for money. uh, And now I get to do it for you guys. I, uh, I'll I'll say this uh, over the last uh, two years, I would say, especially I have discovered that I think, (laughs) For all the different creative endeavors I've done in my career, which I mean, from podcasting to being a radio host to uh, video editing and being a video host, um, I think and writing has actually like emerged as my favorite artistic expression. Um, so I'm really super good. excited about this. So before we get into this for the first time, I don't want to uh, inflate my ego too much. I might pop like a balloon, uh, but I do want to, in case anyone is 
wondering where my credentials land on this. Uh, I have been writing for the past 16 years, fairly consistently. I have so, so much written. Uh, I've written in all genres, uh, varying degrees. I prefer comedy. Go figure. Uh, and I have a folder on my desktop that is literally 1,100 poems that I've written. Wow. And Jeez. the last 150 or so are even actually good. <laughs> Only that, the last 150 or so. Correct. When, when I look through my Google Docs folder, that's exactly how I feel like, wow, I've got like 100 stories in here. And the last like three are good. But as soon as I write 10 more stories, I'll think only the last three of those are any good. I think the last time I fully sat down and like wrote a story was in high school. Like concretely yeah. like outline something. Right. Yeah, was yeah, in yeah. high school when I faked to take notes and I would like to write fan fictions instead. Oh yeah. <laughs> That's well, awesome. Well, so I'll, be I'll, sure to do that while we're talking about this stuff as well. Yeah, we look yeah. forward to reading the fan fiction you write while we do this. Uh, yeah, sure. <laughs> I will say this. My credentials are nowhere near as impressive as Jiraku's uh, on this. I have not been writing for 16 years. Uh, I wrote a good bit uh, in my teen years. Uh, I have been role-playing uh, since I was 13 years old, and a lot of my writing stems from what I learned about when I was role-playing. That's where I got a lot of my initial practice. I then became a kind of a big-time D&D geek and wrote a lot for characters uh, that I would play or for stories that I was telling in Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, and then over the last two years, especially, I have taken to actually beginning to write. Um, and uh, I find short stories are my favorite format to write. I, I very much enjoy telling stories that are just a moment, uh, a moment with something poignant that happens and purposeful that happens that people can fill in the gaps on. I prefer writing uh, romance and drama. Those are my favorite things to write. Well, there you go. So we're coming at this from two from two very different angles. Yes. And that's the beauty of it. We're getting people multiple different perspectives. So the very first topic that we're going to be covering on our how-to writing lesson is outlining. It is the very first thing when you write any kind of prose thing of any kind of significant length. Now, a lot of new writers, they have this thing. A lot of people, especially in like public school, right? When you're mm -hmm. writing in class, yep. uh, mm -hmm. there's this, there's this prevailing idea of like, well, why do I need to outline? Like, why, why do I need to outline? Why shouldn't I just go with whatever I want to do? Right. Mm -hmm. And if you had the same experience I had, you asked your English teacher, why do we have to outline something that's two pages long and I'll knock out in one sitting. And the answer they'll give you is a polite way of saying, shut up and do it. Because I said so. Uh, and that's not a good explanation of why you should, because I'm here to tell you outlining fucking rocks. It mm. is fantastic. I do it for basically everything I write now. I fucking outline poetry at this mm -hmm. point. Right. I'm um, outlining horror. I'm sorry. <laughs> why are you sorry? Basically. I say it a lot. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. Don't worry. Um, ugh, sorry. Hiccups. Um, but as far as outlining, um, the value in outlining is that, especially as you get older, uh, it's going to hit a point where you don't have enough RAM to hold the entire fucking story in your head and you're going to start to forget things. And usually for me, 
that kicks in around the 18th to the 24th page. Mm-hmm. Uh, if a story goes beyond that, I start to lose track of everything. It starts to lose structure. I'm here to tell you uh, the absolute best way for me that I use. Now, if you look up how do I outline on the internet, you will find 12 different results from four different websites. Yeah. Everyone has their own way. They all have a bunch of different ways. And the most important fucking thing to know about outlining, the most important thing is that there are no hard rules that you have to follow other than it's worth doing. If it works for you and what I describe doesn't work for you, then do what works for you. Ultimately, this is a tool that serves you. This is not some kind of performative thing that it's like, I'm not coming out here and telling you if you wrote a story without outlining that that story sucks outright. Like, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that if you're going to make a statue, you should use a chisel rather than rub your hands over the rock for a really long time until it wears down. That's an interesting way of putting that. I'm here to make it easier to make the story by handing everyone a tool that's incredibly fucking valuable. Uh-huh. Uh, and I'll take it from, from my perspective as someone who writes uh, a lot more short stories. Outlining for me probably looks extremely different than what it looks like for Jiraku. If, I, if I'm going to write something longer form that, I'm, you know, like you say, 18 to 24 pages does seem to be about the, the point where uh, when it gets any longer than that, you really probably want to have something written down that can... Uh, a guiding line that you can follow that will keep you on track for what the story is and what what part you're supposed to be at when. Uh, most of my stories, as short stories, are coming smaller than that. And um, outlining for me is a is a different process. Two steps. It is usually uh, a long step that is done in the shower, where I think about what the story is going to be and what the the message that I want to tell is and what the the narrative that I want to tell is. And Jiraku, you can correct me if I'm using this wrong but the second step in my process is what i believe is referred to as the shitty draft hypothesis that is how i describe it yes yes uh, which is to say uh i sit and in my head knowing what i want to type about i start telling my story and then as i go through it i reread it about a bajillion times and go back and change words use the good old thesaurus uh, look up some facts and, and make some corrections, move stuff around to places where it makes more sense, make things sound better until I eventually get to something that I'm proud of, uh, which is usually not what goes on the page the first time. So that is kind of how I do it. Uh, so what I do when I am going to make a new creative project, uh, I've done this for, uh, I was going to make a, I, I got hired to make a choose your own adventure story. Right. Uh, I outlined that. I got hired to write all kinds of different stories. I outlined those. Usually when I uh, get commissioned to write a story for someone, I will make the outline, explain to them that it is going to be an incredibly shitty thing. And I just want them to see the outline, make sure that they're okay with the overall, like these are the events that happen. Mm -hmm. And then I write out a lot more than that and then send that um, to get another look through. So the thing with outlining, the thing with writing like this, the way that out the format that outline takes for me when I was in school, what I was taught was that you have to use this specific cadence and pattern with the numbers and the symbols and stuff. Fuck that. What you need is to have an order 
that makes sense to you that mm-hmm. you follow. What I do is I separate it out to when I'm going to outline a story, I, I need to know what events will happen and what order those events will happen. And I don't necessarily need what's going to connect the two things, right? Right. Um, so when I write an outline, uh, one of the key tactics for outlining, and we will get deep into drafts in a future thing, like where we, mm-hmm. we're going to get really into specifics on like how drafting works. Yeah. Because I think that's a really valuable thing, but that's not what this week is. Uh, so for outlining, what is very important is that you understand that the outline is not there as your enemy. It is there to help. The outline is not there so that you have something that's telling you what to do that you have to listen to. And if you come up with something that's better, you can't follow that because the outline says otherwise. Right. That's not what it's for. Right. It the, is outline there is a, the outline is an evolving document. It is, yes. And it is a structure that you are building off of. And in my opinion, the absolute most valuable thing about outlining is I do all of my writing digitally. Uh, Mm. Both because my handwriting is terrible and because I find digital to be easier to work with. On that, you and I will not agree. Or or we'll definitely agree, I should say. Uh, I do everything digitally, uh, mainly because sometimes I want to work while I'm at my computer in the office and sometimes I want to work on my laptop. And, uh, I mean, another reason is that I have a really clicky keyboard. And uh, Does it make you feel um, like a real lighter when you hear a real writer when it clicks? It makes me feel like a Hollywood hacker. Does it give you that ASMR you were searching for? It does. I currently have the keyboard set such that it ha- that all of the keys are bright, are matrix green. And there is oh. a rain effect of black over it <laughs> so that keys are blinking out in a rain pattern. Um, because I'm that kind of nerd. Uh, <laughs> that's fair. I used to have a keyboard like that, then I started podcasting and went, oh no. Wait, what? Oh, because loud and clicky? Loud and clicky, and it comes over the microphone, yes. Yes. Uh, I did that for the benefit of the audience, but I do my best not to type during the podcast for that yes, reason. Yes. absolutely. Uh, um, but, uh, Right. So various helpful outlining techniques. Um, Basically, what I do is I do a list of events chronologically, uh, and I make judicious use of brackets. So I like, let's say I'm going to write a story about. um, I don't fucking know. A guy goes through a city, fights a whole bunch of people and then gets like leaves, whatever. Right. Like a video game, like a beat em up or something. Right. (laughs) I would describe that as like I would write out intro, establish setting, establish character, maybe throw down like three or four facts that matter about the main character, right? Mm-hmm. Um, line break, new section, um, fucking, and then guy goes to here to fight person, and just anytime you don't have the details that are not structurally important but would be good to have just write brackets around a word and then type so uh they fight with brackets weapons close brackets figure that out later that kind of thing um i don't know why my fucking go-to off the cuff 
example of writing a story was a beat em up. We're just gonna go with it, okay? Beat em ups are yeah, great. that's fine. Beat em ups are awesome. Um, fuck. Sorry, I I was just I had a brief moment where I was thinking about how much I love River City Girls and oh well, I mean I, that's reasonable. That game is anyway. So outlining um, another method that I've heard a lot of people talk very well about that works for them. It doesn't work as well for me, but there are programs out there that help you do this if, you, if it works for you, is web making. Okay? Oh, yeah. Uh, web making is where you list out things and you draw the connections between them. Sort of like a conspiracy board, like the Always Sunny thing you were talking about right. before. Uh, people do that with their own stories, uh, with connections between characters things like that. There's a lot of interesting programs out there that help with that. Unfortunately, every single one that I used to use uh, is no longer around. They all got discontinued or they went pay only. And mm-hmm. some of them are still full of ads even after you pay and it's a fucking travesty and the internet sucks sometimes. Yeah. But not our corner. No, no. Our except, corner of the internet's except, great. Except when we want to. Right. So, um... Yes. Uh, the other thing I want to point out, since we, we are, I mean, we're the warriors of lust. Uh, it is important to know that you can outline RP. Uh, oh, yeah. Especially if it's RP that you're planning with other people. Mm-hmm. Uh, and not just like, like if it's, I'm going to go to this event and see what happens. You probably don't want to outline that. No. You can't predict how things are going to go. Um, I knew someone who, galaxy brain, motherfucker, went to an RP tournament combat combat tournament event where fights are determined by using the fucking slash roll command Yep, and had zero backup plan for if his character did not win the tournament. <laughs> he just went for it. He just went writing his arc in advance like, yeah, I'm gonna, obviously I'm gonna win the tournament. And it's like he didn't. He got knocked out round one and <laughs> was like losing his fucking marbles over like, well, what do I do with my character now? And it's like, I don't know, dumbass. This isn't my problem. <laughs> right. I, I think it's interesting, though, when you talk about outlining role play, because indeed, because role play is by its very nature collaborative, it can be difficult to outline it unless you're outlining it collaboratively with the other person. But what you can always do is outline your character's story arc, the story you want to tell with your roleplay character because that can happen over the course of multiple events and in different times uh and it's just eventually hey this is the story that i'm looking to tell callie was a story that i wanted to write of how did someone get to be like this i had back in that day i had this obsession in my head of healthy people healthy happy people don't become heroes they don't become people who go out and save the world they become bookstore owners they become farmers they become you know they do normal things that people do so what kind of person would choose to live a life where they go out and face down evil empires and face down you know divinities and all these things and i wanted to write a story uh and so on her original outline of what her character was like it was the story of a mother who lost her children and broke when it happened and went through a really dark period in her life and the events of the game and her role play subsequently through the game were going to be her redemption of that and finding life again after this really dark, depressing period, which was extraordinarily reminiscent of 
Callie's life at the time. So, uh, but that's to say that, of course, I didn't get to use that outline in every role play I ever did. In fact, I didn't get to use it in many of them. However, I knew for her as a character, her arc, I always had that to fall back on. Mm-hmm. I think that's a really good point and brilliantly said and explained. Well done. Thank you. Um, I had actually more meant like when you're when I when I play an RP with people, I usually plan out arcs yeah. where it's like I have an idea of, OK, these characters are going to interact. This is eventually what's going to end up happening. Something along these lines, like there's going to be this conflict over this thing. Like maybe it's like, uh, well, these cute characters are going to meet. One of them is a treasure hunter. Uh, as a, the other one is like a healer, right? Mm-hmm. Makes sense that they would team up at some point. Uh, they're going to go do this thing where we're going to go raid some ruins and shit's going to happen, right? Yeah. So basically what you're saying, if I'm going to RP with somebody, try and work out an outline with them. Just a uh, concept, even. Just a concept I, of it. I would recommend, like, it's different if it's just, like, pick up and play, but if this is someone that you have RP'd with a lot, there's I think there's a lot of value in if you find that things are getting a little stagnant or samey or... Mm-hmm. Like you're getting a little bit like like that kind of thing, right? It can be really, really helpful to sit down with that person and talk and just be like, okay, what if we like let's throw down some ideas. Let's see if one of these seems nice and we'll just like we can just keep that in mind that that is the direction that we're gonna be working towards with this. Right? Yeah. I think here's a really now, good example of that, uh too. Uh I wouldn't outline something that was like you say, just for a pickup thing. However, my wife and I, you know, we role play our Warriors of Light frequently. They're married. They have two kids. Um, and when Zero came into the picture and I said, okay, I want us to role play a polycule uh, because I want to involve Zero in it because I'm really fascinated by our character and I want to do stuff with that uh, uh, and erotic things with that as well. But that's a different point entirely. But it is to say her and I sat down and we could, we could talk about it and say like, okay, so what does them being in a polycule looks like okay well there's probably going to be a scene of them talking that out and figuring out what that means for them there's going to be a scene of uh her character and her paramour uh raha who are going to you know that's where the polycule will begin later on something of zero joining up and it gives you all these different scenes that you now know need to be part of the greater storyline that need to make it into the storyline so now we can literally just go through them one at a time be like we need to do this scene and then this scene and then this scene and it's in exactly the same way as you'd write a story. Okay. And that is why that works great as a, as a really good parallel. Now, the only thing to keep in mind, if you're going to do that with RP is that RP is not a solo experience. Correct. Uh, That is called writing. Uh, And with role play, you need to keep the other person and they're, you need to be considering the other people that you're role playing with Mm -hmm. um, in the act of writing this. So something that I would caution is definitely outlining RP ideas as a whole can be very good. I would definitely caution against going too overboard with it to the point where it feels like you're just like the, the hard extreme of it is uh, I had hit a point with a friend once where it felt like we were basically just reciting lines from a script that was already written in advance. Yeah. And that was a little bit much, but what you're talking about, Kali, I think that sounds like a really great middle ground. Yeah. Yeah. The nice thing about it is about RP as opposed to writing is role play is what I would call pseudo improv, which is to say 
you are making it up one line at a time, much like you would do for improv, but you have as much time as you need to go back and delete things and get something that you like. That's yes. the fun of it. And when you have just planned out everything that's going to happen, then all of a sudden it's not even really improv anymore. You're just writing a story that you've already planned out and having to wait for another person to write it with you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, finding that middle ground, very important. Also asking for consent because apparently that's just something we apply to everything. Always. It's because it's applicable to bait. If if you are having an interaction with another human being, consent yeah. is something that should be considered. I just realized that we were going for like an hour and 15 minutes so far and we haven't said the word consent yet. And I'm like, oh, well, probably should say it. Hold on. Let me it's drop true. this right now. Let me go ahead and drop the C word and not the one you're thinking of. That's right. Caracal. Oh, my God. Calcutta. All that, right. That it definitely was not the C word I was thinking of. Um, but yeah. Uh, so where are we at? Um, oh, the other thing is, uh, I highly recommend, uh, if this, if you find this kind of thing helpful to you, which if you haven't tried it, give it a try. See how it feels. Uh, I tried this when I was much younger and it didn't work for me. And then I tried it again a couple of years ago and it works fantastically. And it is. The value of folder organization and having a consistent labeling system. Oh, amen. With, with your notes and your files. Um, when I am writing a new tabletop game, which I am, like, for the past couple months, I've been working on my next game system because it's your setting that's going to be completely different than anything else I've run ever before. Okay. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, I keep my notes orderly. I keep them separate. I keep them labeled. Uh, my technique is I use a program called Notepad++ because I find it easier to... Um, I have, like, very, very, very light dyslexia. Mm -hmm. And I find it easier to keep things straight and organized and, like, understand where things are if I'm using a font that is consistent in size yeah. and spacing. So I use, uh, I believe it's console, Lucida console. Uh, yep. It's a font where every single character takes up the exact same amount of space. So you can look at a line and tell how many characters are there without, like, an M does not take up any more space than an L, right? Interesting. And I find that that really helps me compare and, like, get a feel for how long things are compared to other things. Because nice. otherwise it's really easy to kind of get lost in the weeds on that sort of thing. Um, I dig that. That's a really cool. I, I just saw a thing too about a way of uh, displaying text that is supposedly good for people who are either neurodivergent or you know, ADHD or whatever. Uh, it basically bolds either the first three or the last three uh, letters of every word. And it was so much easier to read. I couldn't believe how well it worked. Where is this? Because I need this. I know, right? Like, I like, like I have a tendency, like many people with ADHD do, to skip around when I'm reading and not like mm -hmm. actually read word for word. This actually got my eyes to like stick on the words and read them <laughs> one at a time. I couldn't believe it. I have that bad tendency as well. So yeah, that is impressive, Draco. I had a thought for how we could wrap this segment. How whenever we do it, is that thought, Serena? Hi. Uh, well, we could wrap Serena if that's her thing. 
You just have to ask nicely. Okay, consent. Uh, <laughs> I no, I I thought it might be interesting. Do you have uh like, and I ha- I'll have one too. Uh, like a short passage or or a poem or a piece that you might share. Um, not offhand. I would need to pick something like that in advance. Yeah, However, uh, what I could do is I could probably dig up an example of what an outline of mine would look like. Yeah. Uh, from one of my older projects. Uh, and we could post that in maybe the show notes. Yeah, that'd be fine. We could put that in the show notes. I, yeah, I just mean uh, it doesn't even have to be an outline, just even like a passage of a piece you're proud of. I mean, I have a poem that I'm relatively proud of that I could read, but uh, I would need to take several minutes to find it, and that's right. not really good for radio. I say you want uh, we could do like the snappy fingers for you at the end of it because it's a poem, right? <laughs> <laughs> I have I have gone to live poetry readings, and yeah. they do not do that. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, I do, I attended one in Detroit where they did. That's interesting. Maybe it was less pretentious here. I mean, listen, this this poetry club was very pretentious. Uh, yeah. Well, if you, if you uh, like, I got I got a, a short piece I could read while you go find yours. Uh, you know what? Sure. What I will do even is I will mute my mic. Yeah. So that you don't have to hear my clicky clacks. Okay. Fair enough. That makes sense. Uh, all right. So I'm gonna keep this brief this is actually from a piece that i'm writing as we speak uh this is one i am currently 14 pages in on and i believe is gonna be my first uh in many years to top 20 pages uh this is a piece about a uh character who is trans however he does not yet know that he is trans he will find out that he is about two years after the events of this uh of this piece this is the final time that he ever speaks or has spoken with his parents and his family uh as he goes home for Thanksgiving, uh, he lives in Chicago, but his uh, is originally from Detroit. Uh, and this is a uh, piece that he uh, uh, that takes place when he is talking to a girl back home that he uh, has a huge crush on. A moment later, his phone went off again, and he checked it. It read, "Hope so." Sam's kind of on the warpath. Her boss is giving her a hard time. Oh, check out what I found while I was looking through my phone. Beneath the message, there was a photo loading in. His phone didn't get great service in his parents' neighborhood, so it would take a moment. It was enough time for him to frown and worry about his friend's message. He'd known Jade for a year by that point, and that was more than enough time to know that he did not like her girlfriend, Samantha, one bit. Samantha was abusive. Probably. Jade was very clear to never actually or was very careful to never actually admit it and would go out of her way to make excuses for Samantha's behavior. Jade had been on hormones for almost two years, and her muscle mass had shrunk considerably, and it had been about six months ago that she'd started wearing makeup to work regularly. Normally, that wouldn't be cause for alarm. Jade was an expert at makeup, and while she looked absolutely gorgeous with or without it, she was a knockout when she went all out on it. However, Lucas had learned long ago that the other thing she was very good at with makeup was hiding bruises and black eyes. Because of that, her wearing it regularly all of a sudden had him concerned. His thoughts were interrupted, however, as the picture came through and his eyes widened. Staring back at him on the phone was himself, sort of. The first day they'd met, Jade had taken him back to her apartment after he'd foolishly tried to fight a co-worker for her. She'd used her aforementioned skills to hide the wounds he'd received and then decided to do the rest of his face as well. What he hadn't known was that she had taken a picture. Staring back up at him was the feminine version of himself. The makeup was flawless and she looked lovely. But what he couldn't tear his eyes away from was her smile. It looked real. 
genuine, not like his smile. Little short piece. That is damn. Yeah. That was uh, so wonderfully. Good. Yeah, this uh this is a character whose egg is cracking slowly, but it is cracking. Um and uh I've uh, very much uh been enjoying putting some of uh some of my younger experiences into this piece. I usually write about characters who are like either who I am now or who I wish I was. This is a story about who I once was. And uh I like it. It's going it's coming out well. So, I have found my piece. All right. And I'm going I wanted to, to go do... first because I didn't want to have to follow you. <laughs> <laughs> Most people tell. Hmm. So this is, I'm going to give some context for this before I read it. Um, there is an event on Tumblr that I have participated in. I did three years in a row. Uh, I'm not doing this year for health reasons, basically. And it is called FF14 Write. Ah, I know this uh, one well. Uh, it's run by seawolfcoasttocoast.tumblr.com or Moon Moon, you know, whatever. Yep. Uh, who is absolutely fabulous, wonderful. Every September, uh, new prompt every day, write a story or a poem or a something and anything uh, in relation to that prompt somehow, right? And when we're mm -hmm. discussing things that don't need like a ton of setup to explain, uh, and also I would be willing to read to an audience, <laughs> this is like the, the one. This is the best one. All right. So this is from 2020. Um, for that year, what I did is uh, I realized that I had 30, 31 characters that I could do stories for. And they're so I just did a different character every prompt. Oh, I love <laughs> oh, it. Wow. I was very proud of that little Revelation. Okay. So this is this one is a little bit tough on the tongue to read. Okay. So the prompt is lucubration, which I have no fucking clue if that's how it's pronounced. That's what I'm going with. How do I how do you, wait how do we spell that? Uh Luku L U C L U C U B R A T I O N. And that is uh for those who don't know, that is either study or meditation. A piece Correct. of writing, typically a pedantic or over-elaborate one. Interesting. All right. A very good word to have as a writing prompt. That's a, I mean, that, First of all, what a great word. Lucubration. It's fantastic. Lucubration. I almost said lubrication. I'm sorry. <laughs> you shouldn't be. <laughs> that, honestly, I had to try really hard not to slip saying that. Slip. Um, okay. Charming. Sorry about that. Jiraku Drake sits in his study, a shared room with shared creation. He reflects on the past, on his current retirement. He considers for moons his newfound station. A bard with no audience save one in his life, now a newly found hermit unafraid of depredation. So much time spent idle and purposeless now, living without burden or obligation. Oh, but the adventures once had, the past he once lived, every day, jubilation. With the woman he loves, he lives every day, yet as she sets for work, he sinks to lucubration. 
where his Isabel creates their life of luxury, and he cleans what has befallen his reputation. Once a man driven by his passions and his dreams, so long it has been since his last made creation. But perhaps he ought shatter the burdensome pattern. Perhaps he ought reject the norm he has clung to. Perhaps he should rebel and rally against the the mediocrity, the weight of subjugation. He takes up his pen, he whistles a tune, he writes a new story and charts a new path. The meter is rough and the rhyming so rusty, but lyrics are more than formulaic math. And if he craves adventure and seeks out a journey, if sitting still chafes him still, why even worry? The solution was staring staring him straight in the face. He's got to find a way right out of this place. For a bell or a moon or a sun or a turn, what matter is time when all he does is yearn. His last name his armor, his ring yet his sword. What future is it that he will march on toward? Too armed and whole, he must fulfill his soul. Carry on with the dreams and stay true to his goal. For he loves Isabel with his entire being, but a peacock confined is a bird that can't sing. And to break all the rules still means everything. So the journey begins yet again, it would seem. Because what is a bard without chasing a dream? Oh, oh, Jiraku, that was so good. I understand, I like, yeah, all right. <laughs> Listen, uh, I'm still mad at you for the third time, but that was really good. <laughs> that, that was really good. Jiraku, that was beautiful. Well done. Can you just read me some like bedtime stories so I can go to sleep? Because I fall asleep to people's voices like constantly. I, I love <laughs> I love Jiraku's cadence when he reads it because it sounds like he's doing like the uh, "Twas the Night Before Christmas." Yeah. <laughs> uh, that was beautiful. Uh, okay, well, yeah, I'm glad I went first. I I I greatly appreciate your flattery. Um, that is, I actually had someone ask me if they could read that for like a open mic night thing which Mm -hmm. was what impressed upon me that that's probably better than most of the other things that i wrote contemporary to it Uh, (laughs) i mean i thought it was great that was a beautiful piece it was so beautiful i appreciate that so yeah um right so that's how we yeah you know what fuck it let's have that be how we close out our uh, writing lesson segments is we'll just whip out a snippet of something that we've written or something short I like that. Yeah, it's our it's our uh, everyone shares at the end moment. Yeah. Yeah. You're welcome to jump in at some point with that, Serena. You don't want to read my writing, but okay. No, we want you to read your writing. <laughs> you don't yeah, want exactly. you don't want to hear my writing, but okay. <laughs> well, there we go. That that's how to writing. That's how to writing for the week. Now we're moving on to our closing segment. It's everyone's new favorite. It's my new favorite. The Warriors of Lust Kink of the Week. Yes. What are we what are we getting kinky about this week? Last week we covered BDSM. Yes. Which may have been a lot in one topic, but you know, that's how it be. Uh and fun story for the listeners. Uh in the initial draft of this episode, I believe quote I believe word for word what I wrote was uh I don't know, Shibari. Because I was very tired at the time. Yep, that's true. That's very true. And Callie, I will give credit where credit is due for certain, uh, made the very valid point of we just did BDSM. 
How about foyerism slash exhibitionism? Yes. Uh, I think that's one that's very relevant to Final Fantasy XIV. Especially with billboards. Mm, that's true. It's very true. And wow. open RP in places where... Yeah. Yes. It's relevant. So, we need to talk about it. It's important. <laughs> it is relevant. We do need to talk about it. Uh, it's not as self-indulgent as me going on about how much I love Shibari for two hours. That's true. It's very true. So, what <laughs> is voyeurism slash exhibitionism? They're yes. two sides of the same coin, basically. Yes. Uh, so, voyeurism and exhibitionism are, uh, on the voyeurism side, it is the thrill or the kink derived from uh, watching somebody, uh, usually in the context of performing a sexual act, but not always. Uh, and exhibitionism is the literal other side of that, the thrill derived from performing in front of people. As podcasters, we are all exhibitionists in our own way. Uh, but mm -hmm. usually when you call about, talk about exhibitionism, again, it is the uh, enjoying of performing a sexual act for an audience. Yes. So, um, thank you very much for the definition on that. Because I am, I'm, I'm not going to lie, I'm still a little bit flustered at everyone taking that poem so well. Uh, so I appreciate you filling in <laughs> my role as host of the segment for that. I, I got you. I appreciate <laughs> it. Uh, maybe, maybe I, maybe that's why I'm podcasting, because I like hearing nice things said about me. And the sound of my own voice. I mean, so, we, we are all artists. We all do it for the uh, because we're all attention seekers in our own way, and we is, the, and we crave the validation of others because we didn't get enough from our parents. <laughs> I think some of that's a little bit projecting. I think some of that's very on the nose, but you know, it's okay. Oh, I see. You know, it, mm. It's fine. Look, I think that one of the only other reasons that someone could ever make art is because you have it in you and you have to get it out. Mm -hmm, and if mm -hmm. you don't understand what that means, dear listener, be grateful because it sucks. Mm -hmm. um, it's a, it's a sickness and an obsession that the only cure for is doing something to get rid of it. Uh, and exhibitionism is a little bit like that. <laughs> Very so, nice segue. <laughs> yeah, you know you gotta you, you don't go off the path unless you have a rope to pull yourself back to it with. <laughs> is what I have just for the first time said. Um, right. So, uh, we'll hit, we'll hit the next point on our bullet point. What forms does exhibition or voyeurism usually take? Uh, I think that it's relatively self-explanatory in that usually it is one of two things yep. generally is how it shows up for both sides of this. It's either, uh, you have coordinated performances yep. at venues where this is planned to happen. This could include brothels, strip clubs, all sorts of things like that. Burlesque shows, Burlesque anything shows, like yeah. that. Mm -hmm. uh, or it's the... <laughs> uh, what's, what's a good way to phrase it? Uh, the law is a suggestion. <laughs> it's just merely a suggestion. Well, yeah, th there's also the uh, thrill of taboo version of it, I would say. The version wherein the, the, the pleasure is derived from the other person not knowing. Yeah, from other people not knowing. So this is where you get things like um, uh, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of porn that gets made. 
yes. of being like under public bridges or uh, in uh, alleyways uh, or, just mm-hmm. outside of the view of people walking past stuff like right. this. Right. Uh, yeah. Uh, that's where upskirt stuff comes from. Uh, hidden cam stuff comes from. Uh, and oh, right. Obvi- obviously mm-hmm. all extremely problematic unless of course it is staged uh yeah. but consented upon first by the parties that are involved in correct. the actual thing eventually we are going to do a week on consensual non-consent and actually it occurs to me we should probably do that next because i think some of the kinks we're going to talk about including this one and going into the future are going to require the knowledge of consensual non-consent uh, i'm okay with covering it on my segment on my- okay all right then that's, next, uh, that's fair that's what we'll next, do next week all right next week is the non-con <laughs> week or next episode i should say i was oh yeah it is two weeks my yep. i i was mildly amused because for a minute there when i was going on about that i forgot that we were covering voyeurism also mm-hmm. and i had that brief uh head turn when you mentioned upskirt shots and i was like wait how do you intentionally do an upskirt shot? yeah uh (laughs) and so uh, i think the nice thing about that is it kind of lets us talk about what the uh what the pleasures typically derived from it Uh, from the voyeurism side of it it is frequently a pleasure derived of that almost taboo like our society tends to demonize and uh uh repress sex uh we tend to make it out to be a a terrible thing that you should only do with the partner that you love in the privacy of your own bedroom that's the only place it should ever happen so stupid i know but that's what our what our our society does to us ingrained into our brains from all directions correct and so there becomes a i'm breaking the rules taboo pleasure of either exhibitionism where you are Fuck that! I'm showing myself off. I I want someone watch someone fuck me. I don't care. Like there's that, and there's also the other side of it of I'm watching someone do something so private. I'm watching something, someone do something. They have no idea that I'm here. Like there is that that thrill, that taboo in it. Uh, and I, that's always been my understanding of uh, voyeurism, exhibitionism. We forgot to ask at the beginning though. Like I'll anyone say- on anyone on the staff, anyone on the cast, a big fan of voyeurism, exhibitionism. Oh yeah, I've completely forgot that that's part of these segments. I <laughs> I did that to uh, test you and make sure that you were following along. Obviously. Indeed. Uh, mm-hmm. I am rather into exhibitionism. Uh, voyeurism doesn't really do it that much. Yes. Okay, it's interesting. Uh, I'm Serena? a doer, not a watcher. Um, that's a good question. I actually haven't partaken in either of them. Mm-hmm. But I am very much interested. I see. I uh, myself, uh, I'm not much of a voyeur. Um, mm-hmm. I, for the same reason that I don't really like watching other play- people play Dungeons and Dragons, I just want to play. Uh, if I do that, like I don't want to watch someone else play. I want to play. Uh, so not so much exhibitionism. I mean, obviously, Callie worked in a brothel for ages. She uh-huh. she did strip teases. She did all sorts of things like in quote-unquote public uh so like yeah i guess i have to say i'm an exhibitionist of some sort although not so much in real life i think i would really struggle with trying to like do any kind of exhibitionism in in real life i think i would have a hard time with that i think i would be just fine doing exhibition in real life not gonna lie (laughs) 
screen. I'm so proud of you. Like, like <laughs> oh, I think you. that's the craziest. Thing. I think like I think it's awesome, right? Like I think it is awesome that someone can feel like that comfortable with themselves. And maybe that's just part of like like being trans and like hating my body more often than not. Is like I don't like I cannot imagine like someone wanting to see me without clothes on, uh, because I don't want to see me without clothes on. Uh, oh my but, gosh, Callie, it is okay because I definitely have the lowest body confidence in the entire world, but I fake it. <laughs> You know to what? have my confidence. Take it till you make it. Exactly. I'm a that's big why. believer. <laughs> that's exactly. I have the wonderful one-two punch of I love uh, performing things for an audience. And I also don't give a shit if the audience likes it because I love I doing it. Because the bravest. <laughs> well, this is the genius of it. This is the genius of the mentality, right? is either the audience likes it and approves of it, and I get that, or the audience are so uncultured and stupid and wrong that they don't like it, which means that I am making them miserable and they're people that have terrible taste, so they deserve it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So you can't lose. Well... And suddenly, everything I've ever done on this show makes sense. Yeah, it does. I'm, I'm literally having like flashbacks of moments on this show. I'm like, huh? Yeah, that fits. That does fit. It does. Huh. Fair enough. Um, so that's per- what people perform post- to please yourself first, and anyone else second. That's. I mean, uh, as an artist in any form, I think that's that's pretty much the case. Yeah. Uh, so, Jiraku, how do you practice this uh, safely and consensually? Well, um, as far as safely, uh, for the exhibitionism side, there's not really that much that can be dangerous about it, as long as you're doing it in a way that's not... See, there's a difference between exhibitionism on, like, a stage right. and exhibitionism in, like, a Walmart. <laughs> well, uh, one of these... There's not really any risk to doing it on a stage. And the other one, I highly recommend you don't do. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Because I, the, at the end of the day, you have to take into account consent. And consent includes the audience. Correct. And if you're not somewhere where an audience wants to see this, and you know for fact the audience wants to see it, I, I clarify that because I'm picturing someone who's so confident in themselves that they're like, my body is a gift from the fucking world. It is a gift to humanity, and everyone that exists wants to see it and me do anything I like. Right. And uh, that's not how you should be. Oh, ever, basically. Uh, yeah. But, but you're right, though. Uh, I, I think consent is, is the biggest part of this, as it is with so many things that we talk about, mm-hmm. because, yes... Obviously, and obviously, people think about it from the from the perspective of voyeurism. We know you're not allowed to peep on people. Like you, yeah, you do have to have their consent to watch. It's oh, yeah. very wrong to watch people without their consent. Um, yes. But it goes the other way, just as as hard is when you're exhibition when you're the exhibitionist. You also need the consent of everybody who's involved, which is everybody watching. And that's where we get into things where we talk about people erping in the quicksand and just not caring who sees no your audience who can see that does not consent to that some of them might but they don't all 
And that Correct. is not a consensual performance. When you go to a place like a strip club or a burlesque show or a BDSM club or something like that, you are, by your very nature of being there, consenting to whatever is happening on stage, whatever performance is booked for that evening, whether it's a strip tease, whether it's a burlesque show, whether it is, in some cases, a, a sex show. You are, by your nature of being there, consenting to be it because that's what the building is for. That's what it is, the, the location is dedicated to, and that's what was booked for that night. However, that is not the case in non-professional venues. You cannot, as you said, if you go into a Walmart, you're, no, the people there are not consenting to watching you have sex. Exactly. And, and the nice thing about talking about consent is it lets you talk about the safety aspect of it too. It is easy to perform these things safely in the proper venues where they're typically speaking in a place where there is consent established first you can safely perform an exhibitionist act. You can do a strip tease in a strip club relatively safely because they have bouncers and they have security and people who are there to protect you while you do this. Correct. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I think, ironically, on this one, the consent and the, and the safety actually just kind of go hand in hand. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, yeah. And so, like... Really, I guess what it comes down to with this... Oh, sorry. I keep forgetting that when I move my mic, it makes noise. It does. That's all right. It does. Sometimes sometimes we forget that we're not on a stage with a microphone. Um, fuck, what was I even saying? I don't know. Ooh, man, I'm doing, I'm doing just great, guys. You got um, this. Oh yeah, we're talking about exhibitionism yes. and voyeurism. Duh. Okay. Um, I think basically what it comes down to, as far as like you're you're absolutely right, Callie, in that safety is consent is safety with this particular kink. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just want to say, uh, I highly encourage anyone who is wondering if they would be into this. Uh, to take up the safe side of the voyeurism side of this first. Yeah. Uh, watch other people before trying to get other people to watch you. Uh, I... Oh, and the, the other thing I was going to say is it really annoys me when it happens with the quicksand because the quicksand specifically didn't used to be that way. Yeah. Uh, and I feel like it's a self-fulfilling problem of people say that People say what the quicksand is, and that created the quicksand as it is, where it didn't used to be that, which is rather yeah. annoying. I uh, also, oh, sorry, go ahead. Also, I unfortunately only know the quicksand as how it is now. Yeah, yeah, that's true. You didn't see it in the era where it wasn't quite like this. Here's what bugs me about when it happens in the quicksand is inevitably it's the people who aren't very good at ERPing. Their ERP is boring. Oh, if you're yeah. going to make me watch and I have to like sit through this garbage, at least do it well. At least be good at it. Let's yeah. At least be good at it. But uh, ultimately, just don't do that. Do not make Even if you're good through. at it, don't yeah, do it. Even if you are good at it, don't do it. Uh, all right. Jiraku, who uh, who in Final Fantasy XIV indulges in voyeurism? Hey now, hey now, hey now, hey now. I'm the show host. Oh, that's true. You are. Uh, Jiraku, who in Final Fantasy XIV indulges in voyeurism and exhibitionism? Thank you, Jiraku. Um, I am very confident that if you want to find a list of characters that indulge in exhibitionism specifically, 
Just look up everyone who's a bard ever in the history of Eorzea. Always, forever, no exceptions. Oh, I have a question. What about that one ninja guy? Karasu absolutely yes. also is into that. I, yeah. I, let's, so I couldn't remember his name, but I definitely, when you had put him on the thirst down, I was, and we're talking about this, and you said he was like flamboyant of the most flamboyant. I was like, just because he's flamboyant, but I think how you described him, I think he would fit it. He is absolutely an exhibitionist. There is <laughs> he narrates everything that happens around him as if he's the main character. Are you kidding me? There's no mm-hmm. way he's not into being on a stage. Oh, you, know who, is. you know who I think most people would think is an exhibitionist, but definitely isn't an exhibitionist? This is Thancred. Yes. Thancred strikes me like you would think absolutely he is, but I think Thancred is a behind closed doors kind of guy. I think he's more likely to be a voyeurist than an exhibitionist, for I sure. Think he's, especially with this new, like, you know. Yeah, that could be. I mean, if you think about it, all of uh, Ultima Thule was Thancred being a ex- uh, voyeurist. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know what? You're not wrong. You know who's not likely to be a voyeurist? Is Yishtola. Yishtola. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's Yishtola. a terrible Probably. joke. I mean, uh, definitely an exhibitionist, however. I was going to say, she's definitely an exhibitionist. I think a lot of these were just going to be like, you stole. <laughs> Listen, yeah, are we? You stole a fucked uh, Runar in front of the entire Night's Watch. Oh, for sure. Um, or Night's nice Blessed? What are they called? So Night's Blessed. Night's Blessed. Night's Blessed, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Night's uh, Watch challenge, is challenge for this whole season. Can we find one that Ishtola isn't into? Uh, unlikely that, but we'll see that we can find on that asterisk that we can find at least one other character in ff14 that's into it i have one more character that for sure indulges in voyeurism and that will be zero after callie's done with her <laughs> uh. <laughs> Well, I mean, she has to learn from watching. She doesn't even know how to eat, right? I know. Well, I, yeah, listen, I'm going to give her gonna... a very thorough education. You got to. It's important. I, I think it's I think it's really my responsibility as the warrior of light if you ask me. Like, as the warrior of lust. I mean, yeah. right? Yeah, exactly. As a warrior of lust, I I think I have to and I intend to. Okay. Do we have anything else we want to say before we go into our wrap up? I think that's all for me on voyeurism exhibitionism. I think that's all. Okay. Uh, thank you everyone for tuning in and listening. You can find all of us on the social medias. Uh, Kali, would you like to tell everyone where they can find you? Absolutely. You can find me on Twitter at Ascalia. That's E-S-K-A-L-I-A. You can find me on Twitch under the same name, twitch.tv slash Ascalia. And you can, of course, find me in the Layer of the Casuals Discord server, uh, which is an awesome place to hang out. We've got over 100 people who are all very gay and very thirsty and uh, love hanging out and getting to meet each other. Uh, we have a special channel dedicated to the Warriors of Lust that you can hang out in and chat with us. We're always around in it. So, uh, yeah, that's uh, where you can find me. Uh, Serena, where can people find you on the internet that want to so, get in touch with you and talk about how awesome you are? Oh my gosh, well, Draku, they can find me on Twitter at uh, Purple Gothzilla. 
They can also find me at Karen Rose, K-Y-R-A-N-R-O-Z-E. Also on Twitch under the same one, Karen Rose, where I stream as well. And also in the layer of these casuals. If I don't respond, please at me for if I see a message and then I look away, I forget the message existed. <laughs> Serena's got a goldfish mine going on. <laughs> Serena has really bad just it's out of sight out of mind sorry i completely understand that (laughs) and as for myself i loathe twitter and most other forms of social media and haven't streamed in a really long time might get back into it eventually maybe for extra life maybe next year either way (laughs) uh you can find me on discord most easily at 24 characters uh number 2535 uh, you can find me on the Lair of the Escasuals Discord server, the easiest. Uh, I get so many bots trying to add me anymore that you can, if you try to add me as a friend and you don't give me any context, I'm probably not going to accept. Uh, I'm also on Tumblr occasionally uh, at safestsephiroth.tumblr.com. And if you see someone in a video game online whose username is safestsephiroth, odds are pretty good they're me. Beat them so you can up. say hi. Uh, well, you know, when I do play PvP games, I am undefeated and indefeatable. Mm-hmm. Thank yeah. you, everyone, once again, for tuning in. Uh, please let everyone know that I'm the best host that you've ever heard on a podcast ever in your life. And the best way for you to double down on that is to buy Jiraku-themed merch from our merch store that I don't remember the URL for. Callie, where is our merch at? You can find that at streamlabs.com slash merch slash or slash Ascalia slash merch. Fantastic. Thank you. Uh, thank you, both of you guys, for being here and weathering the storm that is the my sweeping takeover of this podcast. And I look forward to next week when we get to hear Serena's version of how this will go. Yeah. Um, <laughs> please do download the show multiple times on different services. Uh, I believe we're on, we're hosted on Podbean, right? We are. And then we're also on everything Uh, else that does podcasts. You got it. Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, you name it. Oh, we're on Spotify now, too. Yeah. I forgot forgot they were doing podcasts. (laughs) Okay. Uh, also, please do pledge over at patreon.com slash Escalia, right? Yep. That's Escalia. Yes. Okay. Please do pledge over at patreon.com slash Escalia. Uh, I love to see money dollars that signify how much you guys love us. It makes <laughs> me very happy. Even one money dollar is another point on the scoreboard. You also get access to the green room episodes if you do that. Yeah, the ones that are us talking about shit before we record yeah i was just it's, talking about whatever comes to mind yeah. yes if you well, want that, i'm just doing pure stream of consciousness that's the green room <laughs> well just sometimes, <laughs> sometimes you get to hear me say some really stupid shit and i talk about my ass and tits a lot you do do that yes that is true okay well we're gonna wrap this up thank you everyone for listening one more time uh Have a good evening. Bye-bye.
of Lust podcast is part of the Limit Break Radio Network and created by the support of its listeners, including patrons like Claret Corn, Robbie Landis, Shira Hartslot, Kara Skeltbrider, Tilly Hart, and Kiona Barakimfen. Views and opinions expressed in this show are solely those of Callie Page, Serena Hima, and Jiraku Drake, and are in no way affiliated with Square Enix. Opening and closing themes provided by Karai Karomu. Check them out on Twitter at Karai Karomu. If you want to support the Warriors of Lust podcast, check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash And make sure to follow us on Twitter at WolcastXIV. That's W-O-L-Cast-X-I-V. 